Hi. <laughs> All right, your mother's waiting for you. She's right down here on the end of the bridge. Okay, you go home. Where are you going? I'm going home, too. I'm going to Blue Bayou. <laughs> oh, hey. I got something for you. I got the last number, too. That would be crazy. lights up just a little so the guys can take notes if you want to. The cost of salvation. We oftentimes hear and understand what is meant by your salvation is free. That it's a free gift. Which that is true in some sense. But in almost every sense that's not true. Because your salvation may be a free gift, but it is a free gift that costs everything. You were bought with a price. And today I want to talk to you about what it means to live out of that understanding. What it means to live as if it's paid in full. All out living. Because a lot of us are simply going through the motions and getting by. Before we do, let's pray. Jesus, I want to lift those that you've entrusted to my care. I want to lift them up to you. God, I want to ask that you would anoint this sermon, God, that you would anoint 
continue to anoint the rest of the music and, and the ministry that's done here today. God, I pray that you would be with these hearts and these minds as they hear and as they receive the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it wouldn't be my calling, but that it would be your calling and your time. Lord God, I pray today that we would take a step up and out of our complacency, God, of that which we just we just go about everyday life as if we don't have reason and purpose. God, I pray today that we would see that you have empowered us, that you have brought us a command, and that command is to live life. God, I pray that we would see today that we are able because we have been enabled, that we are infinitely valuable, not because we have anything in ourselves that gives us intrinsic value, but because you have paid it all. You have put a price tag on us that cannot be reconciled. It cannot be thought of. It cannot be named because it was an infinite price. God, today I pray that we would see that and that we would be humbled by it and that we would give you glory as we show other people their value, which can only be found in you. Be with the word of God today as it goes out. I pray that it does not return void, that it would make changes in hearts today, and that we would take these things and that we would write them on our hearts that would affect us throughout the week, not just today, and that we would see people doing things that blew other people's minds because that's what we are. Thank you, Jesus, for all you're doing. Today I want to talk to you about the cost of salvation and about how we interact with God and, and how we go about our everyday lives as we think about what He has done for us and as we incorporate what He has done into our lives. Now, before we get into the sermon, I know a lot of you are thinking, what happened? Because I never sit down to preach. <laughs> so I will tell you a little bit about the boot. Um, first thing I'll tell you is that I'm not bow-legged. This is actually a left-footed boot, which is odd because I feel like I've got two left feet. But I, this happened because I laid it all on the line. Right, Coach? Even though I was going to be out anyway. Kind of stupid. And so the other night, Monday night, I'm playing softball with the guys, uh, with, with the team. and I've been in a slump, hadn't been hitting very well, and I finally hit a shot. Uh, down uh, the center of the field, and uh, the shortstop missed and went to the outfield, and I came on barreling down first base, and I saw the guy. I, I knew he had the ball, but I made that round. And the first base coach is going, no, stay here, stay here, stay here. I never even heard that. I'm just trying to, oh, trying to get all I can get. And I get, get to second base, and the guy gets the ball, and he's standing in front of the base like I guess he's supposed to be doing. And he go and I and I he goes down to tag me and I go in for the slide and I'm sliding in and the top of my foot catches his foot and it just I knew then I wasn't worried about that base anymore. First thing I said, it's broke, it's broke. I know it's broke. And so they helped me off the field and went to the emergency room and um, I was hurt. I, I can't remember hurting that bad, maybe ever, but in a long time, please. And uh, I was acting like a little girl. And uh, my wife, you know, she's manning up. I'm like, somebody drive her hither. She's like, I got this. <laughs> Driving my big old truck. And uh, it was 
funny we get to the emergency room and they take me in and they take me back to uh first they give me a shot right in my right cheek right here and i was like is that gonna help he's like it should and about 10 minutes i thought that helps <laughs> praise god and um so he takes me back and they x-ray the foot and uh well first i missed the part the guy who's supposed to be pretty good he says, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, look at this, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, you got a bilateral fracture, break something, and I'm going to tell you that the, the both bones in the back of your foot going down the side of this foot, both of them are broken. I thought. And then the nurse that was in there, she, she looked at him, he was like, you want to you give it a shot? And the other guy's like, nah, I quit guessing a long time ago, he's always right. And I'm like, well, thanks a lot. You know, this is wonderfully enthusiastic, optimistic ER room you have here. And so they take me back and they uh, they X-ray it and they bring me back out. Or he comes back out and he says, "You're the luckiest guy I've ever seen." He says, "It's no break, it's just a sprain." And I said, "Luck has nothing to do with. It. We know who's watching out for us, don't we? Jesus Christ." And so um, they, you know, help me back in to the truck and get on back home. So that's what happened. So everybody knows I sprained my ankle and I was out anyway by a mile. I, pr- I sprained my ankle, acting stupid, as my wife says. And she's so compassionate. She was like, that was stupid. And I'm like, thanks, babe. And I was right I wrote on my nose. So stupid, stupid. Oh, my goodness. But she's just very encouraging. Uh, she's always telling me the truth. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's nasty. It's even worse now. I don't even have toes. <laughs> it's just my toes are like that long. Uh, not really, but it does look just my my two year old. I bet I've heard. I'm not even kidding. Eighty five and a half times. What happened to your foot? I slid into second wrong. Two minutes later. What happened to your foot? <laughs> Daddy hurt his foot. Oh, I'm sorry. Go put that picture back up there. I want to tell you something. You know what, my. Two-year-old and my six-year-old. You know, let, let me tell you something right now. Caleb Dill is here. Last week we talked about we talked about the storm. We talked about after the storm. And what was one of the points last week? Is that oftentimes God lets you go through a storm so you can better um, sympathize and better relate to those who are going through storms so you can minister to them. Sunday, um, after church last week, I went by and saw Caleb Dill, who's had surgery uh, on his leg. Knees and all everything's kind of messed up. He's getting better now, and so um, he's not been able to use his right right leg, right right leg, right leg. Yeah. Um, not been able to use it for a while, and uh, but I was sitting there, I was praying with him. I'm like, you know, I've never been on crutches in my life. I can't hardly relate. You know, I just pray and I, and I love you. You know, Monday, booyah, baby! First time I've ever been on crutches, and so uh, I got you, man. We'll sit and cry together if you'd like. So uh, praying for you, uh, please pray for me. We'll be like, you know, the Crip Brothers. So um, you can put that off there now. But both my boys um, come up to me and uh, Ezekiel, who's a two-year-old, is like, kiss will make it better. Kiss that. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> so they kiss my foot to make it better, my six-year-old, too. He was a little more hesitant. He's like, <laughs> I'm like, you ain't got to do this. I would. I'm just going to be honest. You know, I'm not kissing. No way. I love you.
So um, that's what happened to me. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I've, I've had to. I've really been humbled by this. We went to a conference in Atlanta, a leadership conference called Catalyst. Um, Wesley and Hambone and Mark wheeled me around all weekend, well, uh, Thursday and Friday in a wheelchair. And um, you should see the looks. I've never been in a wheelchair before. But um, if people either feel sorry for you or they feel like you're a bother because you take up like this much space, you're coming through. And uh, you see, my wheelchair had a thing where I could put it up. I'd put the battering ram up. <laughs> I'm like, you get out of the way right now, son. Uh, we did get to park better. Hey, there's benefits to being a cripple. Um, but I, I had to be wheeled around all week. And um, at first, when I first came home, I tried to be, you know, strong. I got this. You know, don't worry about me. Stop hugging in the shower. And I'm like, oh, I got to, you know, I had to sit down on the floor until I got a step in my shower. I sit down on the floor, scooted my butt over, and I got in the shower, and then I stood up in the shower. Then when I got done showering, I had to sit back down on the floor, scoot over, and then stand back up again. And so I've learned some tricks. I think I can break dance better now. I'm serious. So um, it's been very humbling. And it kind of fits in. The Lord never does anything by accident. It really fits in with the message that we have today because the message is, the cost of salvation. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 19, the story of Abraham and Isaac. And what I want to ask you is, um, you know, how far are you willing to go? What, what is your faith? Because I'm going to be quite honest with you. We say it all the time. Church is a hobby to me. It's just silly. And, and you know, the reason I had the give and talk with you here a little bit ago is because um, we need for you to give so that we can give. Okay, we're not looking to build a big bank account. I don't care anything at all about having a bunch of money in savings. I really don't. If you ask anybody in here, I'll tell them. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you right now, if you know somewhere that we can help somebody, if it if it needs money spent on it, we don't mind spending money. That's what money is for, to uh, bless others and to be ministry and to show the face of Jesus. You can't do that hiding in a bank account. Okay, So um, there are reasons that we need to put money back. We need to be good stewards. We're looking for land. I've uh, got a couple of leads. We're looking buildings we've got a couple of leads and uh, we're we're looking to expand not because we need to be big but because we need to be able to minister and love on people okay and it's going to be easier to do that so i come at you with what god comes at me with and i'm going to call you out you know we're not going to be okay with just doing church I'm, it's not going to be like that if it is i'm headed somewhere else we're going to love on people we're going to minister to our, to our community we're going to spend money on people we're going to spend time on people um, and you're going to, too. You're going to be a part of this thing because that's what we're going to do together. Uh, we're not going to play church. Uh, we're not going to look real good but not really be doing anything. We're going to be out there. and We're probably not going to look very good doing it, but we'll be getting things done. Amen? And so uh, I need you to give. And not just give money, but I need you to give your time. I need you to give your work. I need, to give, I need you to give me your hands. Not me, ultimately. I need you to give Jesus Christ your hands. And I need you to be willing to get in there and get dirty get things done because there are people out there that need help and a lot of so-called Christians will not do it. I don't need that. Neither does Jesus. I need to get in there. You need to get in there. And I'll tell you what, it's not even primarily for their good, but for yours. Think that you know Christ, but not be used to pulling yourself to the lives of others. You want to be blessed. You want to be proven. You want to be provided for on all fronts. Poured out for Christ's sake. Okay? As we get into this story, this is one of my favorites. I'm not sure how long sitting on this stool will last, 
but uh, we will give it a whirl. As I as I read this, I want you to think about yourself. I want to think about I want you to think about how far you are willing to go for Jesus Christ. I want to, I want you to think about I want you to think about the cost of salvation, but then the cost of discipleship, because too many of us want a free ride, whether that be in a church. A lot of a lot of you come in here, and sometimes I come in here, and we want to get. We want to get a lot, but we're not willing to give a lot. And that might not be money or anything, but you want to come in here and, and receive a spiritual blessing. You want to come in here and receive an emotional blessing or a psychological blessing that helps you through your life. You want to come in here and receive strength, but you're not willing to give back. But I need for you to stop thinking of this as a free ride, and I need for you to start thinking of it as the work of God in which we build up and love and encourage one another. And if you continually take from the ministry, if you continually take from the church without giving back to the church, soon enough we start we start losing our resources. Okay? Now I know that God is going to provide, but what I know is that God wants to and will provide through you, okay, and through me. And I'm not telling you anything that I'm not telling myself to. Is that I need to be given my time. I need to be given my money. I need to be given my presence at the church in order to make a difference. We've got the Fall Family Festival coming up. And I wonder how many of you are signed up to be used by God. I'll tell you right now there will be a bigger blessing for you than it will be for our community. Be used by God. So I want to read this story to you. And I want you to think about yourself. But I also want you to think about it with the backdrop and the foundation of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us and what he's doing for you and what he's done for you. Because I think if we can relate to him in the story, then we can find ourselves being used by God in ways that we never could have been used Let's read together. We're in Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 19. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham! And he said, Here am I. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. You hear what he just said? God has commanded him to sacrifice his only son. And we'll get into that a little bit because it wasn't actually his only physical son, but I'll tell you what he means by that, what I think he means by that. But, but God has just asked him to sacrifice and to put to death for God his one and only son, and he called it an act of worship. If Abraham's going to give his son and view it as an act of worship, how, what does it say about us when we won't even give out of our wallets or we won't even give out of our time as an act of worship. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. But he had faith. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, Isaac looked at his daddy and he said, My father, father, Abraham said, here, here am I, son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Where is it, Dad? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb 
for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound his son, bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and he took hold of the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord came and called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here am I. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me. Now I know that you fear God because you not you have not withheld from me. Now I know. Now I know. Does God know that you fear Him and love Him as number one? Or is He still one to you? He said, Now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said this day on the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second, Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gates of its enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham lived. A lot of stuff in these verses. I want you to look right there before I even get into it. He said, I will surely bless you. Listen, listen to the text. This is the word of God. How many of you wonder right now why you're not progressing? How many of you wonder right now why you're not blessed? How many of you wonder right now why you're not being effective where you are? How many of you wonder right now why you can't see the blessings of God? You hear about people talking about peace and about joy and about effectiveness and about this overwhelming sense of urgency and this desire for God. You say, why do I not feel that? Why can I not see that? Why is my life in shambles? I'm trying to do everything right. Listen to what the Word of God says. I will surely, let's back up. By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Because you have not withheld the most important thing that you've ever known in your entire life, you will be blessed. Because you have obeyed your gates, the gates of your enemies will crumble, and you will succeed. You will be victorious in this life.
because you have obeyed and because you have given it all for me and I have been number one in your life. This is not games. This is not some motivational speech. This is the Word of God. And when it goes forth, it does not return void. There is someone here today who has been struggling with the fact that you can get nowhere in life and that you always find yourself broken, that you always find yourself in shambles, and you say, why, why, why? And it's because you're not looking in the right place. You're not investing in the right things. Today may be the day that you turn it over to God in a real way. And though your life circumstances may not change tomorrow, your reality will change today. Let's get into it. The first question that I have for you and, and for me and for everyone else is how far will you go? How far will you go for Jesus Christ? You've got to understand that Jesus Christ is the one that said that you, that whoever will not take up his cross can't be my disciple. Whoever loves his father and his mother more than me, whoever loves his children more than me, you can't be my disciple. What does this mean? Is Jesus Christ suggesting that we don't love our parents, that we don't love our kids? Absolutely not. But what Jesus is saying is, and I want every single one of you in the room to think about yourself right now. I want you to think about the proofs in your life because this is not a game. This is not something I'm talking to the person beside you about. Look at the person beside you and say, he's talking to you. Look at the person beside you and say, he's talking to you. Look at the person beside you and say, he's talking to you. Now look at the person beside you and say, no, he's talking to you. This is not, this is not, this is not for the person beside of you. This is for you. Every individual in this room, do not put this off on the person beside you. I am talking to you, and I am making no bones about it. I am telling you that I am talking to you so that you will know that you need to pay attention for your sake and not your friends. Amen? The question is, how far will I go? How far will we go? How serious are you about Jesus Christ? Who is he in your life? Does he give you meaning? Is he more important than everyone else? And was Jesus Christ telling the truth when he said, whoever loves father or mother more than me cannot be my disciple? We are talking about real Christianity. We are talking about real sacrifice. We are real in here. So some of you need today to it. Admit Jesus is not number one because until you see it, you cannot change it. You cannot be changed. The story says, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Listen to the response. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men and his son Isaac. 
He didn't even ask him. He didn't even do anything. As a matter of fact, he didn't even procrastinate what God was calling him to do. It says he rose up early in the morning, got everything together, and took off for the mountain. He got somebody to help him get everything together. He took off to the mountain. What are you willing to give? How far are you willing to go? What if God called you today to sacrifice that job that you've got right now? To sacrifice that security? To sacrifice that bank account? I know it's a tough economy. Our government is shutting down. But we do not depend on the government, Barack Obama or anybody else. My king is the king of kings. He owns a thousand cows on a thousand hills. A thousand Cadillacs and a thousand garages. My God will supply for my needs because he knows where I am and who I am. I don't need the government or anybody else. If you trust and believe in Jesus Christ, then Jesus alone is sufficient for you. We don't need anything else. How far will you go? How much will you give? How risky will you be? Is Jesus your Savior now? Do you lay it all on the line? Knowing that he's going to catch you one way or the other. You see, Abraham says, here am I. Abraham is here for God. He's here for God. He's right here right now. And so many of us, you go and you read the New Testament parables, and Jesus Christ says that he's trying to get those people to come to him. And so many of them say, well, hold on just a second. Hold on just a second. I've got to go over here and I've got to take care of something else. It's Jesus I, I'll come with you, I, I'll come and, and, and I'll do that thing, but, but let me go and, and, and bury my father. Let me go and, and take care of, of some things that need to be done. And Jesus tells us, let the dead bury their own dead. You see, Jesus Christ is saying, we're ready to go, baby. We're ready to go right now. I'm ready to start affecting your life right now. And though your circumstances might not change, I'm ready to get up under you. I'm ready to, to empower you to be used effectively in eternal matters and not just today matters. Listen, I don't need you over there. I need you right here, right here where you sit. How many of you are here right now? How many of you are thinking about what you're going to have for lunch today? That's going to get it better. It ain't going to be that good. He said, here am I. We need to be ready and available for God. Here am I. You need to have your ears open. Man, I need to have my ears open. Because all around us, people all the time saying, here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity. We get so concerned. We're so concerned with our own selfish things and the things that we have in our pockets. We're so concerned about keeping them in our pockets that we can't even look and see the person in their eye to see the need on their face. Man, if we could get a hold of Jesus, if Jesus could get a hold of us and make ourselves available to Jesus Christ, you know what? You know what? We won't be looking at our pockets, making sure that they're sealed. We'll be looking at his face, trying to get the stuff out so that they can have it. Take it. Take it. I don't need this. I got him. Do you love your Do you love your time more than God? Do you love your pretty hands more than God? She got a callus going right now. More than God. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. It's all getting down 
make ourselves available to God. Amen? Can everybody in here say, I can make myself more available? Who in here has no more availability for God? You can do the things you want to do. Every one of us do. And I'll go ahead and tell you, this preacher standing up here, there's a reason I don't have a cape on today. Because I ain't doing it. You know what I think? As my wife has so plainly said, many of you have. Maybe you need to slow down. So as I'm running by, God's like, Wow! You got me, Jesus. Right on my face. Here am I. The next thing that Abraham says, he says, Abraham rose early. You see, he's ready to obey. I have so much to learn from Abraham. There's so many ways, there's so many opportunities for you to obey. There are so many opportunities in the day for you to go out and make a difference for Jesus Christ, but we're so unready. You know, Jesus might be calling you to do something, but you missed the opportunity because you didn't jump on it and get on it and go. And you know what? You may, you may have missed out, that person may have missed out on a blessing by you not going, but you're the one that missed out on the blessing. You're the one that wasn't used by God. This is the opportunities that we need to be looking for. You know, you can sit here and say to me all day long, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it. I don't know what's going on in my life. I'm not, I don't feel spiritually powerful. I don't feel all that. But let me ask you, when is the last time that you made yourself available for God and was ready to go when he called? You see, Abraham was asked to do, in my opinion, the most difficult thing that any human being could ever be asked to do. He was asked to give up his only son. Not only to give him up, but to sacrifice him on the altar himself. You see later on in the story that Abraham was the one that had the knife up and was about to slaughter his own son. And it says he took the knife in his hand to slaughter his son. But Abraham was ready to go. That's just what every one of us is. We read on down in the story, and this had to be one of the most difficult things. It says, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son. You see, that part is, is a little odd because Abraham actually had other sons. He had uh, Ishmael that he had with um, his wife's maidservant. And so it was a son that uh, that Abraham did love. He, he appreciated Ishmael and wanted to take care of him. And, so he, and he had him before he had Isaac, so he had another son. But, but this says that I want you to take your son, your only son. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking, I'm doing research, and I'm thinking, what does this mean, God? Because I know he's got other sons. Why would your word, the, the word says nothing accidentally. Why would it say your only son? And so when we dig a little deeper in the text, we see this relationship that Abraham had with his son, uh, Isaac, that was like no other relationship. They were thick as thieves. They were, they were right there, two peas in a pod, like peas and carrots, as Forrest Gump would say. You saw one, you saw the other. And so what this means is, is that 
that, that, that this son you love so much, that you have, that have so much affection for and so much intimacy with, it's like he's your only son. You have other sons, and, and you love them too, but this son right here, this is the one. This is your everything. He is your legacy. He is, he is your inheritance. He is your name. He is everything to you. You see, God was not just calling Abraham to give up a son. God was not just calling Abraham to make a big sacrifice. He was calling Abraham to give everything. Everything. God is not settled for half. He's not going to settle for halfway. He's not impressed with your tithes and your offerings. He's not impressed with the things that you bring. The Bible tells us very clearly that all of our righteousness are as filthy rags in, in God's sight. And I could tell you what that really meant, but I don't want to gross you out. You can bring all the stuff that you want to to God. You can bring your money, your time, and whatever else, but if you don't give him your heart, he's looking at it going, what is this? What is this? I've got this already. I don't need this. You see, he called Abraham to give everything. Not something that's important. He called him to give everything. Abraham didn't understand it. Abraham did not understand this, but he chose to obey. Abraham did not understand this, and you see that in the text when he's looking down through there, and, and they're, they're going on talking. He, he gets these guys together. They're going up, and, and he, he gets the donkey, gets everything. Abraham took the wood, verse 6. Abraham took the, word, uh, the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together, and Isaac said to his, uh, his father Abraham, My father. And he said to him, Here am I, son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood. This is Isaac looking at his daddy going, We've got the wood. We've got the fire. We don't have a ram. We don't have a ram. And Abraham looks at the son that he loves so much. And I can only imagine right now with just tears streaming down his face. there are going to be times in your life when you're not going to understand what God is calling you to do. It's going to be so painful. It's going to cause tears and heartache. And even as you're doing what you've been called to do, as you are being obedient with tears in your eyes, tears streaming down your face, looking at the people around you, you're going to have to say, I don't know, but God will I don't know what this is about, but God will provide. I don't know why I'm here, but God will provide. How much do you trust? You're going to have to trust. You see, he fully trusted God with everything. He fully trusted God. The second point I want you to look at is the question that I have for you, the question I have for me is, will you ever risk enough to hear his voice? So the first is, how far will you go? How in-depth are you with Jesus Christ? How for real are you? Because Jesus Christ is not pleased with second. He's not okay with being second. He will have number one. He will be number one, one way or the other. The second is, will you ever risk enough to hear his voice? You see, even as a church, 
even as a church, and when I look at the other churches in our community, lots of churches are doing good things. Some churches aren't doing very good at all. Some churches are kind of out there. Some churches are not. Some, some churches are on fire. My thing is, is that, and we have the propensity to do the same thing. We will be risking the same thing. We will be dealing with the same thing when we just get okay with doing church. When we get to the point where it's just, we're just going through the routine. We don't ever take any risks. We don't ever do anything different. We're not ever willing to change anything, even if God is calling us to it, because we don't want to risk it. We get to trust in those things that we have put in place as false idols and false gods, and we look to these things and we say we're okay, whether that be a bank account, whether that be a certain type of clout or image that you put up, whether that be anything that you want to think, whether that be a certain number of people, whether that be a certain type of building or a certain type of people that's in your church. You're going to have to risk. You're going to have to get out on a limb in order to experience the rush, the adrenaline. You're going to have to risk to be used by God. That's just the way it is. Jesus Christ did not call you to complacency. Jesus Christ did not call you to just be okay. You see, it says... That he took the knife in his hand. Listen to this. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. Do you understand the risk that was taken here? He reached out the knife. He was going to slaughter his son and he was going to do it out of obedience and he was willing to risk everything to be used by God and to be obedient to God and to see what God was going to do. How much are you willing to risk to hear the voice of God? It wasn't until he reached out the knife that he heard the voice of God. It wasn't until he grabbed the knife and reached out the knife that he heard the voice of God. You see, he laid it all on the line. He laid it all on the line. And the thing that came from this, when you see it saying, this is a little quick uh, help for you as you're reading and studying the, the, the Old Testament. In the Old Testament where it says, the angel of the Lord, that has always been a Christophany every time I've ever seen it. And what that means is, it is when Jesus Christ shows up in the Old Testament. When you see the angel of the Lord, go ahead and think, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Several times it'll say, an angel of the Lord. Or an angel of the Lord said this, or an angel of the Lord said that. Oftentimes that's just an angel. When it says, the angel of the Lord, every time I've ever seen it, and I've studied in depth, it is Jesus Christ showing up in the Old Testament. So we see Jesus Christ here saying, as Abraham obeyed, and as Abraham risked everything, he heard the voice of God, and it says, Abraham, Abraham, stop! Don't lay a finger on the boy. Don't do anything to hurt him. Don't do anything that would jeopardize him. I am going to provide for you. You want to hear the voice of God? Put it on the line. You want to hear the voice of God? Lay it all out there. Let's stop playing church. Let's stop holding on to what we think is dear. And let's sacrifice everything that we hold near and dear to our hearts and put them out there for God. Let's risk it all so that we might be used. Amen? Let's risk it all so that we might be used, so that we might hear the voice of God. God is longing to speak to you. God is longing to hear 
from you. God is longing to use you, but we are so withheld, we are so withdrawn, God cannot use us because we are not available. God is wanting to use you. He says, now I know that you fear God. He said, because you have done this thing, and because you have not withheld your son, your only son, now I know that you fear God. You see, he proved himself. You say, God knows me. God knows my heart. Yeah. But God is looking at you, and all throughout Scripture, it says that he was tested, that you are going to go through fire, that you are going to go through a test, that you are going to go through trials, so that you can be proven effective for God. You can be proven true for God. Oftentimes, we wait on the storm to come when all we would need to do is prove ourselves to God. You say, well, God doesn't require anything from me. It's not about, it's not about the rules. It's not about legalism. It's about you being real with God. And it's about you being moved and being used and laying it out there. It is about what you do. Because what you do comes out of what you believe, which we've already learned. If you believe, then you will move. And your actions prove your beliefs. It's time for us to be proven. Because what we know is he proved himself. He proved himself. And in the end right there, it says the Lord will provide. That's what he named the place. Because he was provided for when he was proven. He was provided for when he was proven. Have you been proven? Have you proven yourself to God? Or are you still holding on? God will provide for you, but you're going to have to get out there. And it's not because you're going to earn it. That's not how this thing works. God will provide for you as the effectiveness of his calling and his salvation takes root in your life. Have you been proven? Is there, is there a change in your life that is seen with the eye? Is there fruit on your tree? I preach this way, I preach this word so that you can look in the mirror and know whether or not you are who you think you are. A tree will be known by the fruit that it bears. You can't come in here and say that I'm a Christian. You can't come in here and say that I've been changed by God and live exactly the same way out in the community, live exactly the same way at home, use the exact same words, exact same movements, exact same attitude. It does not work that way. I will not let you be fooled by your own deception and your own lies. Ask the guys that were at the men's conference. When God moves, it's apparent. When God moves, it's proven. And so let's get real with ourselves. Let's ask ourselves, who do we love? How far are we willing to go? What are we willing to risk? And when we will go all the way, and when we'll risk it all, God will be proven and you will be used. And our community will never be the same. Now this is risky, isn't it? It's risky. We might spend too much money. We might scare somebody off. Be crazy. see God move? Look around you. To see God move is worth it all. I want you to look beside you at how many empty seats are in here. Now we've grown. And people have said, how'd you do that? I can't believe. That's crazy. Eight months. That's crazy. That's crazy. 
at all the intercedes. There's somebody that God is wanting to use you to put in that seat beside you. How many people do you know that are in need? How many people do you know that need to sit under the teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ? How many people do you know that they need to be loved on? They need to be hugged. How many people do you know that they can't fit in at any other church they say? How many people do you know that you could rob every excuse from them if you would bring them in here and let them see everybody else is here? Because they see jacked up people in this room right here. And the preacher's probably got the longest rap sheet of them all. Let's not mince words. Let's not play games. Let's put it on the line. And I'm going to skip the last point because I want to talk to you about the gospel. We're going to get out of here. We're not going to play this. We're going to talk to you about the gospel. The band can come out wherever they are. Come out, come out wherever. I want you to, I want you to think about this story. I was talking to Wesley last week, and uh, I was sharing with him how. It's amazing to me how the Old Testament is just a foreshadow. There's a lot to learn about us, and, and we, can, we can take the story of Abraham and Isaac, and we can look at it, we can say, Abraham laid it all out on the line. He, he, he didn't hold anything back. He believed with everything that he had in him. He was willing to risk it all to get God and to see God move. And I could stand up here, and I could tell you, now you get in there, buddy, and you make sure you dig in tight. And you do better. Dismissed. That doesn't work. Because I'm going to tell you right now, as I just said, y'all are all jacked up. All right? Y'all got so many problems, it'll make your head spin. And so do I. I mean, I can't even run across the stage. I would look crazy if I did. We all need help. I can tell you, Empty out your pockets for the kingdom of God. I can tell you, take your watch off for the kingdom of God. I can tell you, get out there and live for the kingdom of God. Now go do it. You can do it. You've got it in you. But I want to tell you right now that you don't. That you don't. The only way for us to do what I've just called you to do is to be empowered. To be empowered by something supernatural. It's going to have to be done for you. It's going to have to, to live inside of you and just come out. I told you, and Bridget, this is true. The best evangelism is not planned. The best evangelism is not planned. That guy did not come with you, that girl did not come with you today because you sit down and wrote a 10-step argument of why they should come try the well. Well, my preacher is freaking crazy. No. You know why they came? It's because they looked at you and they said, what is going on? And you were going, what do you mean? What's different about you? What's going on in your life? What is this place you say they accepted you? As crazy as you are? You mean they brought you in? You mean 
the love of Jesus is really there? You mean I don't have to, to look a certain way? You see, it happens inside of you. It's like a flower. Nobody stands by and cheers the flower on to bloom. It's what's inside. It's this weird-looking bud. It's this weird-looking bud, and, and nobody's looking at the bud going, wow. But when it bursts forth in all of its beauty, they say, Everybody looks at a caterpillar and goes, eh. You look at the butterfly and they say, This has got to be implanted inside of you and burst forth as it grows. And I'm telling you right now that you don't have the power. I'm telling you right now, you don't have the courage. You don't have what it takes to make these kinds of risks. I'm with you, brother. I wouldn't, I wouldn't risk my son. But you want to know. What will grow inside of you to risk it all? You want to know what will take root in order to make it all look like nothing, in order to encompass it all and to shine in such glory that we actually do stand in awe of the sunshine. And we say, here, take it. Take it. Take it all. I don't care. I don't need this. Take it. I've got what I need. Well, there was another story. Buddy. There was another story. Here, send him on up here. Come here, Zay. You want to come up here with me? Come on. Come on, come up these steps right here. There was another story. As the lights in the sanctuary come down and as you all stand to your feet. my voice unless it's planted inside of you to grow out of you hang it up do something else I don't I don't need your effort I don't need your grunt work I need your soul as the soil in which the glory of God is implanted and springs forth out of it in such a way that people look at you and go Think about this story. There was another son who carried the wood. Isaac had the wood strapped onto his back. And he carried it up the hill. And he looked and he said, Where, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? And I, it reminds me of another story of an only son who had the wood strapped to his back and as he carried it up the hill he remembered in the garden when he said is there another way where's the lamb and his father looked down from heaven and he said you're the lamb and as he carried the as he carried the wood up everyone else stayed behind the young men stayed behind when Isaac was going up and it was just him and his father and everyone else stayed behind. He had no one that was cheering him on. He had no one. He was willing to risk, risk it all. And as he went up to the hill, he, he went up to the hill, and his, and his father laid him. His father laid him on the altar, his one and only son. Look at this boy. 
God laid his son on the altar like Abraham. And Abraham took the knife to do what God had called him to do. And you can imagine his son was laying on the wood, very uncomfortable. And it said that he was bound. He had never seen anything like this before. He trusted his daddy, but what, what was going on? And he was bound and he couldn't move and he was laid on this stack of wood that was so uncomfortable and he was sweating because it was so hot. And as he lay, he looked up at his father and his father had the knife in his hand and he had the fire, but he's looking around and his, his breath gets deeper and deeper because he said that he would provide, but now I'm the one on the altar and where is it? Where is it? What is going on? And he's looking at his dad and he's thinking, my daddy would never do this to me. My daddy would never, he loves me, he would never do this to me. But Abraham raised the knife only to hear Jesus say, Abraham, Abraham, stop. Hold on, stop. Do you know, do you know why he was able to say, Abraham, Abraham, stop. Do you know why he was able to say that? It's because God Almighty, he was the one that had his son on the altar. He was the one that had the knife in his hand. He was the one that raised the knife. It's sky high. And instead of anybody calling out, Jesus was the one that called out. Nobody answered. Nobody answered. And so instead of somebody calling out, stop, stop, God dropped the knife. Boom. Nobody stopped him. Boy, slaughter at his hand. He risked it all. I want to ask you right now, what did he have to gain? Abraham was asked to risk it all so that he would get God. What did God risk it all for? What? The only thing that God gained as he dropped the knife on his son to slaughter his only begotten was you. He did it to plant something inside of you that concrete can't stop. He did it to plant life inside of you that would feed a thousand. He did it for your soul. He risked it all and gained his reward so that you could gain yours. You're right, brother. I can't do it either. God can with man, these things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And I'm telling you right now that we can fill this sanctuary slam up, not because it needs to be filled up, but because we need more harvest land. We need more fertile ground. And the fertile ground is the hearts of men and women. We throw the seed in and God makes it grow. I want you to think about somebody right now. Really. 
I want you to think about somebody right now. Look at the empty seat beside you. Find an empty seat that you can lay your eyes on. And I want you to picture somebody in that seat who you know needs life planted inside of them because they're struggling and they're hurting and they're in pain. Now I want you to pray for that person. But even more than that, I want you to pray for you that you'd be willing to risk it all that they might have life. This is not a game. I'm not here because I like to speak in front of people. I'm here to see life happen. How about you? I'm here to see life happen. How about you? Let's hear it for Jesus Christ. Let's hear it for life. It's time for us to risk it all so that they might live. Do you want to see people live? I want to hear it. Do you want to see people live? Me too. As we draw the service to an end, I want to give you an opportunity to come and bow before God and pray for that person that you know needs Jesus. Please pray for that person that you know needs Jesus. Let's turn our world upside down. Come forward as God moves in your heart. I'm going to be on my face because I know some. Will you come and pray for those around you? If you need prayer, let me do this before we even release you. Is there anybody in the room right now that you did not know that the knife was dropped for you? You did not know that you were the reward. You did not know that God risked it all for you. You did not know he loved you that much. And today, you want to take him up. You want to see him move. You want to be changed today. I make a call of salvation. Who in here would be saved today and relieved of their sin, relieved of the penalty, relieved of the debt? Who in here would be saved today? Raise your hand up high now. Don't be scared. Raise it up high. Who would receive Christ today? There's one. Come down here, brother. There's the courage that you needed. He risked it. Yeah! Stay right here. We'll be down in a second. Who else? He took the first step. He took the first step. Who else? I know it's you. I see you. Last call. 